You're listening to teaching from Castle Hills Christian Church in San Antonio, Texas. More information about Castle Hills Christian Church is available at chccsa.com. Good morning, CHCC. How do you act when you get hurt? And sometimes we lash out, sometimes we throw a fit, sometimes uh, we act passively, aggressively, sometimes we pout. Ecclesiastes tells us that there's a time to speak and a time to be silent. Ecclesiastes 3.7 says, a time to tear, a time to mend, a time to be quiet, and a time to speak. In wisdom literature, the fool often talks too much and is and, uh, often at the wrong time. But the wise person knows when to be silent and when to speak. Proverbs uh, 18, verses 6 to 7 says, A fool's words get them into constant quarrels. They are asking for a beating. In verse 7, The mouths of the fool are their ruin. They trap themselves with their lips. Today we're going to continue our series called Countdown to Calvary. Uh, Easter is around the corner. And we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 14, starting at verse 53 to the end of the chapter, and then also Mark 15, verses 1 to 20. And we're going to see that Jesus spoke some, but for the most part, he was silent during this time. But before we get to our text, we need to realize that Jesus has been betrayed by Judas. He gave him the kiss and betrayed him. He was arrested, and now he's taken uh, to the high priest's house. And so let's look at Mark chapter 14. Uh, we'll start in verse 55. It says, Inside the leading priests and the entire high council, which was basically the Sanhedrin, they were trying to find evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death. But they couldn't find any. Many false witnesses spoke against him, but they contradicted each other. Finally, some men stood up and gave this false testimony. We heard him say, I will destroy the temple made with human hands, and in three days I will build another made without human hands. But even then, they didn't get their stories straight. So Jesus encounters his first corrupt trial before his crucifixion. And he's facing the Sanhedrin, this Jewish court that determines if someone has broken the Mosaic law. And we need to be aware that Jesus has already predicted all of these things that's going to take place uh, in our verses today. If, if you look at Mark 9, 31, it says that he's going to be delivered into the hands of men. If you look at Mark 8, 31, it says he would suffer many things and would be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. Uh, Mark 10, 33, that he would be condemned to death. Like Jesus already has predicted all of these things that's, going, that's taking place right now. It's pretty obvious as he faces this corrupt trial that the, that the verdict has been predetermined. Uh, these guys couldn't get their stories straight, their lies straight. Uh, they, they, find, they find some men to twist Jesus' words about destroying the temple. This is referring to John chapter 2, verse 18. But the Jewish leaders demanded, What are you doing? If God gave you the authority to do this, show us a miraculous sign to prove it. All right, Jesus replied, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. What? they exclaimed. It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you can rebuild it in three days? Verse 21, But when Jesus said this temple, he meant his own body. 
Have you ever noticed that liars tend to take a little bit of truth and then mix it with lies? They'll exaggerate or they'll withhold something or they'll take your words out of context. And these guys, despite all of these lies, they just couldn't get their stories straight. Let's continue reading in, in Mark chapter 14. It says, Then the high priest stood up before the others and asked Jesus, Well, aren't you going to answer these charges? What do you have to say about yourself? Verse 61, But Jesus was silent and made no reply. Now, that's a highlighter verse for me. Jesus was silent but made no reply. Then the high priest asked him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? Notice Jesus' answer. He says, I am, and you will see the Son of Man seated in the place of power at God's right hand, coming on the clouds of heaven. Jesus doesn't answer the foolish accusations about him threatening the temple. He remains silent. And he's not there to defend himself, but to die for the sins of the world. But he does answer the question about his identity. He's saying, I am the Messiah. And this sends the high priest into orbit. If you read the following verses, uh, the high priest, he tears his clothes. Uh, why do we need witnesses, he says? What's your verdict? And they cried out, guilty. He deserves to die. And then we see Jesus was mistreated. They spit on him. They spit on him. They blindfolded him and they beat him with their fists. They said, prophesy to us. And they, the guards slapped him and they took him away. I mean, look how badly Jesus was mistreated here. What was he guilty for? Claiming to be the Son of God, the Messiah? And these Jewish leaders, these religious leaders, they claim that Jesus is breaking the third commandment by taking God's name in vain, by assuming God's character and his majesty. Uh, but is it really blasphemy if he truly is God? Regardless, the council feels that they are justified in their opinion that Jesus must die, and they spiritualize this excuse for seeking his death. Now, we know that they were upset that Jesus was, uh, had called them corrupt and, and that he was uh, basically turning the power structure upside down, and they did not like this. We know that they felt threatened by reading the previous chapters in Mark. Now, they had the right to proclaim a death sentence, but they weren't able to actually execute the capital punishment. And so they gave this verdict, but then they had to pass it on to the Roman governor, Pilate. Now, before we get to Pilate, Jesus, as, as Jesus is experiencing basically this kangaroo court, uh, we see that Peter denies Jesus three times. And Jesus had predicted this, that Peter would do this. He was falling from afar, and then he gets questioned, and he denies Jesus three times, and, and we know that he's going to feel guilty about this. Well, let's keep on moving into Mark chapter 15, verse 2. Pilate asked, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus replied, You have said it. He didn't confirm it. He didn't deny it. But he just said, Pilate, you, you have said it. Then the leading priest kept on accusing him of many crimes, and Pilate asked, Aren't you going to answer them? What about all these charges they are bringing against you? Verse 5, chapter 15, But Jesus said, Nothing, much to Pilate's surprise. He, he remained silent. You, you see again that Jesus only answers when it comes to his identity. He remains silent when, about the charges and the accusations. I think this is to fulfill prophecy. If you look in Isaiah 53, verse 7, it says, He was oppressed and treated harshly, which we've already seen. 
and we know that that will also happen uh, some more. Yet he never said a word. And Jesus remained silent. He was led to slam, to, led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shears. He did not open up his mouth. So as Jesus is going through this trial and going through all of this, he remained silent, and this fulfills prophecy. It was predicted many, many years ago. Let's continue reading in Mark chapter 15. Now it was the governor's custom each year during the Passover celebration to release one prisoner, anyone the people requested. And one of the prisoners at that time was Barabbas, a revolutionary who had committed murder in an uprising. And the crowd went to Pilate and asked to release a prisoner as usual. Would you like to release or would you like to release to you this king of the Jews? Pilate calls Jesus the king of the Jews. For he realized that the leading priests had arrested Jesus out of envy. I, I, I think Pilate sees uh, that, that these religious leaders, uh, they're envious of Jesus and his popularity. And so they're looking for a way to get rid of him. And I think Pilate's in a little bit of a tough position here. But at this point, the leading priests stirred up the crowd to demand the release of Barabbas instead of Jesus. Pilate asks him, Then what should I do with this man you call the king of the Jews? They shouted back, crucify him. Why, Pilate demanded, what crime has he committed? But the mob roared even louder, crucify him. Aren't those such piercing words? Crucify him, kill him. We don't want him around any longer, basically. Verse 15, so to pacify the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He ordered Jesus flogged with a lead tip whip and then turned him over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. Uh, Pilate again sees what the, uh, the, uh, what the religious leaders are up to, uh, but at the same time I think that he feels pressure from the crowds. And, and often, isn't that what happens with politicians? They, they're influenced by the crowd, whether the crowd's right or wrong, uh, often politicians follow what the crowd wants. I think Barabbas may have been this type of Messiah that the crowd wanted in Jesus. Uh, he was this revolutionary. Luke calls him a murderer in Luke chapter 23, 19. John calls him a robber in uh, John 18, 40. It's likely that he was opposed to Rome, maybe stealing from them, even killing soldiers and officials in the process. I find it interesting that, two, that the two other criminals crucified uh, next to Jesus were also called robbers, just like Barabbas. I don't know if this is true, but I wonder if it's not possible that they were partners with Barabbas, and the three of them were scheduled to be crucified the next day, yet Jesus takes Barabbas's place. There's so much to reflect in this passage. We could talk about we too are like Barabbas. And Jesus took our punishment so that we could have eternal life. I wonder how Barabbas felt walking free as Jesus died on a cross. Well, we could talk about the contrast of how Jesus reveals his identity, but Peter denies his identity, that he was a follower of Jesus. Now, sometimes we too are like Peter. We might not deny Jesus with our words, but many times we deny him with our actions. Sometimes we keep quiet when people ask if we're a Christian or if we're a follower of Christ. 
Well, we could talk about how Jesus is a living example of Mark chapter 13, verses 9 to 11. We've talked about this passage uh, where we see the destruction of the temple. Uh, he, told his challenge, or he told his disciples this, and it's a challenge for us as well, starting in verse 9. It says, when these things begin to happen, watch out. You'll be handed over to local councils and beaten in synagogues. You will stand trial before governors and kings, and, and because you are my followers. But this will be your opportunity to tell them about me. For the good news must first be preached to all nations. But when you are arrested and stand trial, don't worry in advance about what to say. Just say what God tells you at that time. For it is not you who will be speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Sometimes, if I'm honest, I don't always let the Holy Spirit guide my words. Sometimes I say what I want to say. Sometimes I don't let the Holy Spirit guide my words that come out of my mouth. Uh, sometimes I should remain silent, but instead I speak out. Our world says speak out about our opinion. It says have an opinion about everything and voice that opinion. If we have a bad experience in a restaurant, uh, we need to write them a bad review right away. We, we, our uh, world doesn't value uh, silence whatsoever. We rant on social media and uh, whatever's upsetting us, and, and we just uh, let people know exactly what we're thinking. But I want you to think, is there any value in silence? Uh, of not always responding when being falsely accused. Uh, I'm not saying not to have hard conversations. We need to have car hard conversations from time to time. But I am saying that there is value in silence. Something that I'm trying to remember when I'm mistreated is to keep my integrity. To not sling mud just because other people are slinging mud. To take the high road. To pray for those who are, might be mistreating me or Castle Hills. I, I try to let the Holy Spirit guide me when to speak and when to listen and when to remain silent. I, I love this quote. You don't always have to tell your side of the story. Time will. Let me say it again. You don't always have to tell your side of the story. Time will. And what I found is often uh, when people gossip about you or say bad things about you, you, you don't always have to tell your side of the story that people will see through that. And sometimes time will tell your side of the story without you being defensive. Proverbs 10:19 says, Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. Keep your mouth shut. That's a reminder for most of us. We do too much talking and we need to do more listening. Life is too short for drama. For some of you, God is, is saying, quit trying to tell your side of the story. Just move on. It's not going to do any good that you've already tried. And, and just to keep, keep quiet and to move on. I, I, God has more important things for you to do. As a church, let's remember our identity. We are children of God. We are his disciples. And the question I want to leave you with is, are you reflecting Christ in your life? Are there any areas that need to be cleaned up? 